let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are back, and we have already got beer in glass awaiting us this evening, haven't we, mate? We have indeed, uh, but perhaps we should uh, ask our guest drinker to introduce himself and tell us what he's got. Hi, my name is Rob Edwards, off of Twitter. Um, <laughs> your boy Rob Edwards, you might have uh, heard me writing in every now and then, but uh, yeah, I have been sent some beers by um, Bruha in, in Suffolk, previously known as Station 119, uh, but the first one I've got is their Session IPA, and uh Reading the description, it's got some good sensible hops in it. The Citrus Centennial Cascade, the old school seas, and the malt base of oats, wheat, and and some Munich malt. So it's got a nice golden colour. Uh, it smells pretty good. What's what's the ABV on that, Rob? Did you did you mention? That's no, I didn't. But it's a uh, three point nine percent. Oh, nice. Mm. Definitely comes into the sessionable territory there, doesn't it? Yeah, so the session one, yeah. Call the session IPA. I'd call it a hoppy pale ale, personally, but that's just me. <laughs> hoppy pale ale doesn't sell quite so well yeah. as session IPA. That's very true. So, Steve, what have you got in your glass? I have got a beer from a brewery that you and I have both had a, love, a lot of love for in the past, mate. Uh, Brew York. Uh, this is their Red Panda 2020. It's an experimental red IPA coming in at 7.1%. Now, uh, I bought this um, based on two factors. One, that it was from Brew York. And two, that it was a red IPA. And that, that was something that I was waxing lyrical about, I think, on the last show. So I was quite excited to receive this. Uh, however, I did buy it blindly without checking the ingredients in it. And any, uh, any prizes for guessing what hops in this beer? <laughs> it must be the, the, the hop of the moment then, Steve. You've bought a Sabro beer, haven't you? I, I have mistakenly bought a Sabro beer. Not, not just Sabro, but it's also got hop HBC472, which is apparently the sister of Sabro as, as well. So, um, so it's, it's, it's the family, Sabro well, family you're drinking. But basically, but... I've, I've gone for it, like I say, I've gone for it based on the fact that it's, it's from a brewery that I trust and I've got a lot of time for, and it's a style that I really, really like. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, in a, in, in a red IPA, how the Sabro Hop behaves. Yeah, it will be quite interesting. Um, I've got a beer from another brewery that we've uh, both enjoyed uh, beers from over the last six months, Steve, and mentioned a few times. Cheshire Brewhouse. Um, it's a beer which I think we've both tried before. It's the Little Lordag. It's a, or Little Saturday, a modern Norwegian farmhouse ale. Oh. Uh, and that comes in at 6%. And it's obviously uh, the, the Norwegian element, presumably is the Kvik yeast that they use, which I have to admit was still looking pretty lively when I pulled this five minutes ago. So I reckon it was still doing its job, to be honest. Yes, yeah, it's, it's once again, you and I seem to have uh, essentially doubled what our guest is drinking for, for our first beer and, and, and gone in high to, to start off with this evening, haven't we? Yeah, this is my lowest ABV beer tonight, is a 6%. So, well, yeah, well planned there between Steve and Martin once again. <laughs> very, very well planned. <laughs> uh, without further ado, then, shall we dive in uh, to the first beer and give them a little bit of a taste? 
Cheers. Yep. Cheers. Yep. Cheers. How's your session IPA tasting then, uh, Rob? Oh, it's not too bad. It's the sort of thing that I'd be happy to uh, drink two or three pints of, maybe, or, you know, on, a, on a certain occasion, really, when I wasn't too worried about the beer. Yeah, it's just your standard session, well, session IPA, pale ale, really. There's um biscuity sort of malt going on a little bit, and then citrusy piney hops nothing especially jumping out but yeah it's a tasty enough beer so pretty much on the mark for what they were trying to achieve and yeah, also yeah. The, at the lower end of sessionable as well yeah i mean it's three 3.9 percent so it, to be honest it's got a reasonable amount of flavor for for that sort of percentage so yeah it's a nice beer okay cool and um the, you know i think we need to find out from steve Sabro, how is the red IPA, mate? Are we all sitting down? It's um, <laughs> yeah. It's really tasty. Uh, on on the nose, it's there's, it's really malty, really caramel, um, with with some hints of some maybe some dark, some red fruits in in there, and and the, and then you get into the flavour, and it's 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 full bodied. There's some there's some juicy tropical notes coming going on, and and then you do get a big hint of sweet pineapple. There, there's really really subtle coconutiness going on in the background, but then all that is balanced out by the sweet malts, and that that sweetness really helps to I think take that that hop down a notch or two in in terms of its flavour. So it's all working really really well together and actually it's 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 really really tasty and it, it tastes like the the good old sort of like good old american red ipas that that, that you used to drink you, you know back in the day i think that's the show over tonight now um, <laughs> yeah well, it was nice record. having you on rob uh <laughs> yeah there's it's lovely to be here for that special <laughs> moment there's nowhere to go after that rev revelation steve it's really strange because it's it really is a demonstration of, of, of how that hop is, is, is working differently in a different style. Um, and, it, and it might be that it's balancing out with, with the other hops that are in there because there's also, in addition to the ones that I said, there's also a Zaka in there. There's, there's another HBC hop um, and there's, there's also a CTZ, which I'm, I'm not, not so, so familiar with that one. But they do say on the, on the back of it, they've done it in the style of a West Coast IPA. So I just wonder if that, by giving it that really, really malty backbone that we know Brew York can really achieve, and, and they did with the likes oh, yeah. of their Big Eagle this year, putting that in it and, and then putting that hop against that, it's behaved really differently from the previous times that I've tasted it. Uh, and also, perhaps they've actually just gone for the understated delivery of Sabro flavours and aroma. So a bit like Sriracha, you know, we, we, we tend to pan that quite a bit as well, Steve. Um, but there are a couple of beers in my untapped check-ins which have got favourable reviews for me. So, you know, Faceplant from um, Weird Beard. And I also had a beer, cast beer from Bristol Beer Factory once, which was rather tasty. I suspect they've just used, because it's such a powerful hop, 
the places that have used it in minimal content are probably the ones that I can get by on. And that sounds like that's what they've done here for you, Steve, with maybe just this one can. Lee saw your order came through. <laughs> and he's actually extracted the hop <laughs> characters from it for you. But it's good to know that even, even with a beer, that if you had looked it up, maybe you wouldn't have bought it. Well, this is the thing. I didn't. I didn't actually buy it directly from Brew, Brew York. So I bought this from Beer Central. And, and and generally, Sean will just put up the name and the, the 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 type of beer and where it's from. He won't go into the detail about the ingredients that have gone into it. So I do. I, I buy all of my beers essentially blind from Sean, not knowing what's in them. And I very very rarely think to check on Untapped. It was it was only when this one came through and I was looking at it and I was saying, oh, I wonder why it's experimental. And then straight away I was like, I bet it's got fucking sabra. <laughs> I, I bet that's why it's experimental and I, I checked on untapped and there it was first thing that came through but but yeah i mean it just it just shows that sometimes actually taking a bit of a punt when you don't know what what ingredients are in something can can actually work out in your in your favor and and, and this this is one of those occasions yeah well, I, I had a very similar experience to you to be honest steve in um myself also as far as i knew disliked Sabro because I'd only had it in sort of pretty much juicy Kvik IPA things. And then I accidentally bought um, a couple of cans of the um, the collaboration between Elusive and Vibrant Forest. And at, in, in that case, the, it was very understated. I think the other hops in there were, I think Mosaic was in there and maybe Citra, the big boys. So, it wasn't overpowering and it was quite enjoyable, but I would be interested to try it in like a red beer like that, or even a porter where I think the, uh, the coconutty sort of elements would go down well. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Sabro scene doesn't seem to be going anywhere. So no. I imagine someone somewhere is going to get it into most styles. Uh, and, you know, we are coming into that territory time of year when we start seeing more and more, darker beers coming out but i can see i can see where you're going with that rob you know mm-hmm. with those some of those notes in the right balance um and then you've got the the, the chocolate coffee the malts then then hopefully you would get the the right outcome so but if anyone knows of one let us know yeah but I'd, maybe I'd it just, already exists i'll just finish by saying bloody great to see a red ipa back um and and, and widely available more of this please. I want to see more red IPAs, more American red IPAs as well, because they're absolutely delicious. And, and like you say, for the, I, I've hit that time of year, Martin, where the nights are drawing in and I'm instantly craving dark stuff now. I, I'm no longer interested in, in, in golden beers anymore. I just want darker <laughs> beers. Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's autumn now. Perhaps you're not all the way into the Imperial Stouts, but yeah, some, some red beers and, and some brown ales I'd love to see. Oh, perfect. Perfect for this time of year. Martin, how is your beer tasting? Listen, I've had it before um, and I enjoyed it back in early July when I, when I had it. Um, and I'm really enjoying it again. It's, it has got a, a farmhouse uh, lean to it. You know, it has definitely got that bit of aroma. It's got a bit of that flavour, the mouthfeel. Um, and to use a uh, very well used term, a bit orangey as well. Definitely a bit of an orange note to it. Uh, I think they've used some US hops in there as well. 6%. Doesn't really drink like a 6% either. Actually, does yours drink as strong as it is, Steve? No, it's it's tasting a lot lower than the, the, the 7.1 that it is. 
I mean, it's definitely it's, it definitely seems to be a, a an ongoing trend that we've mentioned more than once. The ability to create these bigger beers, uh, you know, six percent, seven percent, and even eight percent, and don't really drink like it. Really enjoying it. I gave it a three point seven five out of five on Untapped last time, and possibly it might be a four this time. I think it's actually my last Cheshire Brewhouse beer in the in the uh, beer cupboard, actually, from the last stock I bought. All right, well, that's a good start. I mean, it's a 440 can, so it's going to take me a little while to get through it. Yeah, I, I actually need to, to slow down on mine because I'm drinking it pretty pretty quickly. So I'm, I'm going to actually sit back for a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy my beer. Uh, and we're, we're going to let Rob talk as, as, as our guest. So, um, Rob, tell us a little bit about your beer journey. How did you, um, how did you come to be here today? Oh, well, it's a long story, really. It started on the, the exact day I turned 18, definitely not before then. May or may not be the truth. Uh, but yeah, start, where I, my part of the country, it's very traditional Cascale-led sort of place, and I never did the uh, like the macro lager thing. I was straight into like cask bitter from a, from a young age. And then really, I think what changed everything for me was the first time I went over to the States, which would have been 2013. Uh, landed, I went to Boston, New York, uh, uh, Washington, D.C. And I was like, okay, I thought American beer was just like pale, corny lager. And then I was just drinking these, these lagers and IPAs are just huge hop flavours and I was, I was only really used to UK hops so yeah it blew my mind and then around about the time I got back that was when Brewdog Bar had opened in Birmingham and I started um, catching the bus into Birmingham more and yeah the scene's just developed since then really and yeah travelling around the country and, and over to the States again. So, yeah, I just uh, love beer more and more and more and get into different styles all the time. It, it's interesting to hear that your, um, your beer awakening was, was kind of the same as probably most, most other people's in terms of it was, it was American beer that really captured you. Um, but actually, for, for, for most of us, that, that would have been imported American beer where you actually got to taste it fresh on the ground, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think maybe I'd probably tried a Sam Adams or something before but I think it was um I think when I did try a Sam Adams it was in like Piccadilly Circus or something and I had quite a skin full of beers at the rugby in the day so I didn't think too much about it and then but then the next time I drank it in Boston it was a very different experience and then yeah, it's a, a bit of a it's a bit of a different beast as well because um, yeah, I've had it over here because I think we've mentioned it before. It's brewed under license by Shepherd Neem, I think, or at least it used to be. And mm. the the the, the beer in Boston is for me miles away from the one that's brewed over here and sold over here. Um, and that must have been a real, you know, your your beer awakening of going to the states versus the cask beer. So you'd bypassed what appears to have been a fairly traditional rite of passage for most of us, which is the, the macro scene in some shape or form. And then you'd gone car scale and then suddenly all these hopped, heavily hopped beers that you then discover in the States. Um, is it also Denver you quite like going back to as well? 
Uh, yeah, Denver and Fort Collins especially. So I've, I've been over to there twice in the last couple of years and it's kind of feels like my spiritual home now. I just I just love that place and it's a very good place to go for beer. It's like Colorado's beer capital and it's right up there with the rest of the states and the world. So when you came so when you came back to the UK and you started getting more and more into checking out, you know, bars like Brewdog and as you say the Birmingham beer scene. What what prompted you to then start, you know, doing doing your blog, for example? Um, well, that's kind of brings it around to Matt Curtis again, really. I, I think I'd started engaging more in the beer community on, on Twitter a few years ago, and I got to uh, know of Matt through that. And then he um, he did a talk about, so you want to be a beer blogger at Brewdog Birmingham, probably, probably about 2015. And... Yeah, so that was kind of where the seed was sown. Uh, me and my friend Dave, we ummed and ahed and talked about it for ages, tried to come up with a, a name and eventually decided on Wednesday Beers, which was a name that came from during like the discovery stage where I still find a lot of new beer. I always used to like to have something new on a Wednesday night. So yeah, that's where Wednesday Beers came from. And then... We've been blogging on and off on, on that for the last two or three years, maybe. Okay, that's cool. Um, blimey, you've, um, you're enjoying your session IPA then, I take it, Rob. Right. Well, I've, I've only got a little can as well, so you, I might be waiting around for you guys <laughs> quite a lot. Sorry, we, we probably should have put that in the show notes. Tend to, <laughs> tend to drink too many strong beers on show. And I just tend to drink any beer too fast, regardless of what it is, so... <laughs> So Rob, we've um, obviously all spent the last few months uh, at home enjoying some really, really delicious beers. I want to get an idea from, from you. Have, have, have there been any real standouts for you over the last few months? Any beers that you've really, really enjoyed? Uh, there's one that will definitely have been discussed on this show, and that is um, Oregon Trail from Elusive, because that is just an outstanding West Coast IPA. I mean, there's a lot of beers going around marauding as West Coast west coast ipas but that one hits the nail on the head it's fantastic and also local to me in a block switch in warsaw is a new invention brewery and their west coast ipa it's just called pacific ipa i think is another absolutely outstanding west coast and it really is spot on the style so on, on a friday i've been it's about a 10 minute drive so i'll go over there and pick up some takeaway beer so i've been very much enjoying that and have you um have you ventured out yet to to, to many places? Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm going out a lot. To be honest, uh, some of the um like pub visits I've done have been in different parts of the country. When when I have had some time off work, uh, I went over to Bakewell for the day, and I just popped in. Did I did I even go for a beer on that day? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking nonsense. Oh, I did. Yeah, sorry. That was my first, um, my first Cascale. And it was just a. I think it was a Chatsworth Gold, but it was oh, I, don't know, I was just the beer was just okay, but to be in a pub drinking Cascale was just amazing. It was like the heavens had opened up. Although I did just forget about it for a second, but it was amazing. And then. Uh, went to a random micro pub in Stockport. And then other than that, I've been uh, gigging a bit, 
doing some outdoor socially distanced gigs. So it's just been drinking cask Holden stuff, so Dudley Bice Brewery. But yeah, I'm 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 about twenty minute drive out of the city, so I haven't really been venturing out too much. Is that because you are is it because of the public transport element of going into Birmingham for you rather than the venues themselves? Well, I say twenty minute drive, it's a, it's at least forty five minute to an hour bus. Right. Because it just goes all around the region, as we would say, in this part of the country. So yeah, I, I did um I did venture into Birmingham a couple of times. I went went last week to um the Wolf, which is one of my favourite uh, venues in the country. So it's good to get back there and and support them, Pie and Mash, and a, a few points. But yeah, I have, I can't say I've been out loads compared to what I usually would be. Right. And it's I haven't uh, I haven't bumped into anyone around the the West Midlands scene, so. That's been that's been a bit of a shame, really. It'd be nice to uh, see some people again soon, but uh, it's it's difficult, isn't it? The uh, the weird regulations that keep put, being put in place. Definitely. I mean, uh, you know, how are from what I know you haven't necessarily visited a few of them personally, but how are the the venues doing in Birmingham? In my experience, I would say they're all doing a really good job of of looking after everyone and making them feel safe. But uh, it looks like some of the, the breweries have been doing quite well. With, we're getting people in with bookings, uh, Bernard Soul, and then over on the, uh, the Sturchley Beer Mile as well. But um, I haven't ventured that far, so I can't really uh, say. Okay, well, I mean, hopefully they can, like everywhere else, hopefully they can come through it. And, um, yeah. you know, Summer Sesh 2020, deferred to Summer Sesh 2021. Yeah. Birmingham's still on the list. Very much so. I, I'm really looking forward to being able to get to Birmingham and, and, and to be able to fulfil the, uh, the, the summer sesh that we had planned for, for there. And, and hopefully, let's, let's hope, fingers crossed, we'll be able to get there next year. Yeah, yeah definitely. Teach you how to pronounce Birmingham because <laughs> there is a G in it. Or brother Jim, as I would say. But yeah, oh, you couldn't resist that, could you, Steve? No, 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 of course not. I could have said it properly. I could have said Birmingham. <laughs> And, and, and prove that I could just say it pro- properly. Um, Mar- Martin, what have we been up to, mate? Well... Because uh, we've been up to something together, haven't we? We have. We're, we're, well, we actually met in real for the first time since pre-original lockdown. Um, but we decided that it had to be a bit of, a, a bit of an occasion to do that. And um, we were very kindly to invited to do a bit of homebrewing on Saturday just gone by Colin who lives in Colchester, brews under the name of Beer O'Clock Brewing. So fairly apt title for his, uh, his little brewery. Um, lovely little setup in his garage. Lovely to meet him. Yeah, we had a bit of a chat with Colin beforehand, um, played around with a few ideas, a few different styles, uh, a few different approaches that we'd like to take. Uh, obviously, the first question that, that I had for him was, what hops have you got and how many? And we'll start from there and work back. Uh, but we did eventually settle on um, coming up with a modern interpretation of a classic bitter, didn't we? Which yeah. is um, probably not what people would have expected from, from, from us. No, no, no. I, I, I suspect not. Uh, I think, sorry, I think I cut over Rob there. He was saying, uh, probably thinking the same thing. I think people probably thought we'd go for 
I don't know, maybe try and do a black IPA or a big West Coast beast of an IPA. Um, yeah. But um, I think what we wanted to do was to do, uh, try and bring out the hop element of uh, a bitter. So, you know, a nice, good, solid malt background, backbone for it. And then, yes, he lets us play with hops. And so effectively what Colin did was he took out a drawer out of his freezer, which he's got in the garage, which is literally vacuum packed bags of hops and then um, put them all out. And we started narrowing it down. And we're not gonna give you all the hops that we use, but some of them won't be any surprises in there. And um, yes, did have to go Steve. No, no, we can't use all of them. Some of them have to be kept back for his other brews. It's not all about the hops. Um, and as it happens, I think it always, it actually felt like we actually surprisingly used a, a very low amount of hops in the end when we added it into the boil. Yeah, compared to what you'd maybe see on a, on a commercial brew, it, yeah. it, was, it was tiny amounts. And, um, but yeah, it was interesting to, to see the software that Colin was playing with. And it was essentially, it was essentially telling us what the IBUs would be. And I'm, I'm just standing there going, more, more more IBUs, give it more. <laughs> but Martin had to reel me back in. <laughs> we don't want it to be undrinkable. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think if, if I had to kind of summarise what, what we've brewed, I, I think I'd like to say we've tried to brew a West Coast bitter. A West Coast bitter. A West Coast session bitter. Yeah. I'm very yeah. intrigued by this. <laughs> It's only... um, it was it was really it was really good fun. It was really interesting to see the process as well happening in a garage, um, and and you know there were some really good technical aspects of it. The fact that he's got the program he uses syncs with the app on his phone. He's got the temperature gauges, so he's not just doing it by sight or by guesswork. You know, it's all about hitting the mark on the various bits of the processes um, and and some of the things that he's sort of worked around. But if I remember correctly, Colin was saying he's been doing this now uh, for seven or eight years. So he's been home brewing for a while. Um, and as it turned out, I did actually try one of his home brews at the Vic once when they do their home brew festival. And I had marked it and commented on it. And thankfully, I was very positive about that beer back in 2017 as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good job, really. That could, that, that could have been quite an embarrassing, uncomfortable moment, couldn't it? Yeah. By the way, you did you did drink one of my beers. You give it one and a half, and you destroyed <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, it was it was a great day that we have a Colin, and we've we've got uh, our beers currently sitting away in his uh, fermenting fridge, uh, letting the yeast work its magic and, and 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 create the beer, and hopefully it'll be ready in, for for us in a few weeks to um to actually try on the show. As, as well, which I'm sure we'll very unbiasedly be raving about just how great it is. Yeah, uh, well, we put it on Untapped as a five, can't we? Obviously. As, as the brewers, yeah, that's, that's what you have to do, isn't it? Isn't that yeah. the law? Yeah, if we could create a badge for free, we would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just make sure you put it in your own names as well. It has to be obvious that it's you. Uh, well, we, the Beer O'Clock Show is a registered as a brewery because um, Steve and Mark have done collaborations before. So hopefully we'll be able to make it obvious that it's Beer O'Clock Brewing and Beer O'Clock Show Beer. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be quite... It, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the uh, it was a cold day on Saturday when we did it. And I have to admit, 
there was a real warming aroma of the uh, the boil made it actually feel a lot better for us as well. And he was kind enough to share some of the beers he's already got in his keg in his beer fridge. And um, I think we enjoyed all three beers. We even enjoyed his um, Nipa interpretation as well, although maybe a little bit on the sweet side for us. But um, I think we found it more palatable, palatable than some professional uh, beers that I spent money on. So thank you yeah. again, Colin. It was a real pleasure to a, meet you and to get to brew with you. We were, and let's be clear, we were heavily guided by him as well. Oh, very much so. We were very much the um, the, the students in that process, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm really looking forward to to drinking the beer. Uh, I'm going to use the phrase that you wouldn't let me use to name it, um, but I, I I think what we've produced is camera juice, um, and and that's what I'm really <laughs> looking forward to to, to enjoying. <laughs> Yep. Um, obviously, if we could get hold of it, we'd have one of those coronavirus glasses for it as well. Then, Steve, you can control oh, them properly. Careful! Don't don't get me all don't get me all triggered again. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I hadn't thought about that for a few weeks. Now I'm angry. <laughs> yeah, see, we're setting one off now, haven't we, by mentioning it? Yeah, um, let's try and reel this one back in. Yeah. So, I mean, and then you know, as is uh, as we should do. You know, I was in Colchester. And I hadn't been back to the Vic since, well, probably, maybe since we did the 100 show, Steve, back in January. Um, so obviously, you know, it's on the way to the station. We thought it was only right we should buy a couple of beers for Colin. Um, so we, we, we popped into the, the Vic afterwards and um, got Rich to serve us at our table as well. We, we did, and I really enjoyed that experience. And it was a lovely experience as well, Rich. Thank you so much for your wonderful table service. Yes, he was very gracious when he brought over those drinks, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but we, uh, on a side note, I thought, the, you know, it's my first experience back in the Vic and obviously uh, implementing the, the newer guidelines um, about the table service. And um, seriously, uh, they were run pretty ragged on the night, given that... They're obviously serving less people, but it's very much a wet lead pub as well. Um, the cash card machine went down. So that really didn't help matters for people either. So, you know, credit where credit's due to Andy, Sheena, Richard and the rest of the staff at the Vic did a remarkably good job and um, for putting up with me and Steve there as well. And, and the copious amounts of kernel that we were trying to consume. As, as, as well yeah it would, it would explain why I, on the way home i'm thinking i probably don't need to drink anymore and it was only 10 to 9 i had literally just gone colonel 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 but then uh i did have a a a, a dark beer from turning point known unknowns however it was 6.8 percent and i was in that i'm ordering a pint mode obviously um, that was really nice. I think you, you, we, we had one at the same time, didn't we, Steve? Yeah, it was delicious. Re really, really proper, proper export stout. You know, dry yeah. and roasty. Um, exactly what you want in from, from that sort of style. So yeah, really delicious stuff. Really tasty stuff from those guys. Any um, any standout beers from yourself, Rob? Very recently. I, I think uh, the last order I got in at home was uh, the latest mixed case from from uh, Elusive. So the uh, the Lord Nelson's back, so I'd, I'd probably say that. Oh, how's that tasting? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. that is a, a special beer. That one. Yeah, yeah definitely. You, you know, that is the beer which you know you, you look for from um, Elusive and Andy, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. I think um, I've seen a few people ordered just that 
case yeah. just that. I'm not surprised, yeah. Right, a special mention for their Spellbinder, the Coffee Porter as well. That That is so a good. great beer, yeah. So good, so yeah. I was pleased that there was some more of that in bottles because I just finished the uh, the cans I had. I also cracked open a bottle of Destroyce. I was prompted to open it because I recently leapt in on buying a few of the Destroyce beers that landed in the UK and I bought some from Two Brews in Colchester. So I thought, well, I've got the Black Albert, time to do it. Had it yesterday, probably about, it wasn't even going, it wasn't even the last beer of the day, but it was the last beer that me and Michelle were sharing before I then cracked on myself. Um, 13%, it was just wonderful. It was thick, black, dark, loveliness. And again, because of the weather we had this weekend in East Anglia, it hasn't been particularly great. It was, it felt like a superbly warming beer without the alcohol burn. Coffee, chocolate, a bit of licorice maybe as well. Um, really, really enjoyed it. And um, I, it, it probably should have been an end of evening beer. Um, but yeah, I decided to have a few beers after it because I had a bit of a taste then as well. But yeah, it was, it was lovely. It was everything I'd hoped for. It'd been on my wish list for a while. So I really did enjoy that. And then just the other beer I'd like to give a shout out to is from Collins. Um, his Thirsty Butterfly, effectively his homebrew session IPA. Um, sensibly enough for me and Steve, it was the one which we did drink the most of on the day when we were helping with the brewing and um, ticked all the boxes. You know, it, it really was very sessionable. Nice and hoppy, a little bit of dryness, a bit of bitterness, but all nicely balanced. 4.2% suited me down to the ground, that did. So what about you, Steve? Uh, apart from, you know, I've probably re- maybe referenced one or two of them, but any, any standouts for you recently? Uh, well, yeah, B- between this show and the last show, I, I had my birthday, so I, I decided to treat myself to a few big beers o- over that weekend, one, one of which was uh, this year's Sierra Nevada Hoptimum, which is their triple IPA, comes in at about 10.8%. Um, gradually worked my way up to that throughout the day. Had had a couple of cans of the, uh, uh, is it the Amazing Haze that, that you've been banging on about, Martin? Oh, Fantastic Haze fantastic from haze. Sierra Nevada. The yellow yeah. can, how the, good is that? The Imperial Hazy IPA, fucking outstanding that beer was. I had one. As, as part of my journey towards the Hoptimum. Obviously, I started with Torpedo. That was my starting point. And, and then I jumped up to the Fantastic Haze and with the intention of just having one. But it was so good. I was like, no, nah, fuck it. I'm going to have another one as well. So I, I had the second one. And, and then I hit the Hoptimum. And, and then the Hoptimum hit me. Um, <laughs> I, I, was just, uh, I was just unable to drink anything else after that. I, I had a couple of other beers lined up. Which I never got to. Uh, I had to. I had to have them. This was on the Saturday. I, I had to have the other beers on the Sunday. Uh, one of which was was a Distrus beer. I had because uh, I, I picked up some from from the recent batch that's arrived as well. Uh, is it Robert the Great, an, an Imperial Stout? I, th- I think it is. Yeah. Uh, again, weighing in at about ten, eleven percent. Just so delicious. Just really well balanced in terms of all the sort of the chocolate and the roasted notes going on in there, and a slight sweetness from the from from the yeast and the malts as well, just to balance it all out. And then I also had another bottle of the the Fuller's 2019 vintage um, because that that's a beer that I think I've said a few times that I've really struggled with it so mm-hmm. far. Um, it really doesn't seem to be there for me yet, but but yet this one it seems to be finally coming of age and, and, and there's a lot of 
a lot of flavors beginning to come through in it. So you're beginning to pick up a lot more of that, um, that, that typical Fuller's marmalade that, that, that you get from a lot of their beers from their yeast, but that's also laced with some, some, some red fruits and some really malty biscuity notes. And it's just beginning to balance out a, a little bit more. So I'll, I'll look forward to, to going back and trying that again uh, at the end of this year, as, as, as we always do when we revisit last year's vintage release. Yeah, that'd be another sensible show then. Always. <laughs> I, I'm glad to hear that it's developing though, because yeah, we've, I think we've both said it, that it just all felt a bit muted and understated. Um, and also just a bit rough, just a bit rough around the edges, just like it wasn't finished. Yeah, um, it, it would appear to be one which time will tell on that one. But yeah, it has made me look forward to opening one of those on the end of year show a bit more now. Just thinking that end of year show, if we're still recording remotely, Steve, that's going to be messy. I might have to put the day off. We're going to have to do, we have to do a bottle each. Normally, yeah. share it. <laughs> sorry, Ooh. listeners. So, yeah. Sorry in advance. For... Remember the cannibal show? It could be happening all over again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before we get final thoughts on, on, on our first beers, uh, I just want to come back to Rob to, to chat to you about one of your other passions, mate, which is, you've already mentioned it a couple of times. You're, you're a big music fan, aren't you? You're, you're, you're big into your music. You're big into your, your, your live music yeah. and in, into your vinyl collections. When did that start as a, as, as a passion? Well, even earlier than the beer, that has to be said. Probably, like, probably when I first really started getting into music was probably when I was about ten, maybe. And then there's there's like the new metal scene going on with like Papa Roach and Limp Biscuit and that sort of thing. And then when you're a ten year old, like these daft men in baggy trousers playing guitars, it's pretty cool. And then through that, I started just going through my dad's music collection because he had quite a big uh, vinyl collection, um, Black Sabbath and ACDC and that sort of thing, and then through to Pink Floyd and more progressive rock, and then I got into funk and soul and reggae and, and just everything, really. And yes, I've been, as you say, my record collection, I've been buying vinyl probably since I was about 13, maybe. So I've got a fair few records now. And I've uh, been going to gigs since I was 12. And, and the vinyl collection uh, recently has come into its own, has, hasn't it? Through the, the, the advent of the amazing social distancing sounds, mate. So if, if, if people listening to this show haven't heard me bang on about it or haven't listened to it, then they don't know what they're missing out on. But what, what, was, the, what, what was the genesis behind starting the social distancing sounds? Well, firstly, Steve, I just want to say thank you very much for your kind words. Uh, you've since since you've started listening and shouting about it, the, the listens have gone up a lot. But yeah, it, it started really at the same time as as lockdown started was end of March, wasn't it? There, uh, um, and as as we all know, we all had a lot more time on our hands at home, and. I listened to music all day, every day anyway, but it was probably more digital stuff because I was out and about or at work or whatever. So it was nice to actually be at home and be able to just go and look through the record collection and find some stuff that perhaps I haven't listened to for a long time. And so I thought, you know what, I can start doing a little uh, like 
podcasty radio show sort of thing. So I had a go and it started off uh, very rough and has got slightly more professional since, but it's still very uh, rough and ready. But yeah, I've kind of gone a bit mad thinking, oh, I'm not spending as much money now. So I keep spending as much money, but I'm just buying records all the time. It's, a, um, it's an eclectic mix. I mean, um, it's, such, it's, it's lovely to actually have someone else sort of picking the tunes I'm going to listen to. Um, and then you sort of pop up after a song or two songs and maybe do a bit of retro on the last song and then a bit of an intro to the next song. Um, and you can, t- you can feel that vinyl quality sort of coming through as well. It feels to it does to me anyway because it feels like it's a different type yeah. of sound. Is the vinyl? Um, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, even though you're listening to it digitally, you still get that warmth coming yeah. through, and that's what I've always liked about the, the good old analog sounds. You do get that warmth, and everyone loves the, the crackle, don't they? So it's I never, never, ever, never ever, yeah. yeah, it's never bothered me either. I mean, again, I guess if you'd grown up never listening or looking at records, but there's a, there's a different feel about a record. There's a different feel about taking it out of its sleeve, out of its cover and almost reverentially yeah. looking at it both sides and making sure it's okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a theater about playing your record almost. It's, it's a much more immersive experience, isn't it? And you get, especially when you get the big gatefold covers and there's someone to look at the artwork on a CD, you just can, once you've got a CD, normally you just get the CD, put it in a wallet or something, CD wallet, and then you're never going to look at it because it's no. just a little. But then when you've got a big 12-inch um, cover, that's a real piece of uh, art there. But yeah, I love the, the whole vinyl experience. And it and it's just a better quality of sound as well, scientifically speaking. I mean, digital music... Like CDs are not bad, but then when you get down to some of the bad MP3s, it's kind of like it guesses to rather than having a smooth wave, it's kind of like a jaunty square thing. So it just doesn't sound quite the same. So yeah, I, lo- I love the analog stuff. Yeah, and also listening to an album, you actually listen to all the songs. Yeah, I've definitely always been an album man, and my my, my dad drives me mad because he kind of did that when he was younger, but now he just loves shuffle and and he'll just put my dad has a very eclectic music collection as well. So but like with, with vinyl, like people like bands, artists, they put albums in an order for a reason. So it's a shame not to listen to it like that. But also if you when I'm putting these playlists together, I do put a little bit of thought into it, which I don't often do about anything else. <laughs> but like so it just beats shuffle in that way where someone is putting some some thought into which song goes where i, I think you can tell that rob because I, I i do think that comes across in the in in the track listing and, and and the way that you choose certain tracks and then they run between genres with, with you kind of stringing it together as well and 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 i think it's that it's that golden thread of, of of your little facts about either the artist or the music or something completely random that that just ties yeah. the whole thing together well <laughs> uh, that's just me if i like something i will try and find out everything about it and then when the internet like appeared now i get so frustrated if i can't find something out it's it's funny though sometimes when i've linked the shows put put the shows together like come up with the track listing 
I'll be talking about the songs in between, and then I realise that there's a link between a song that I didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. it's probably been there subconsciously yeah. for you because you know you know those songs so well. Sometimes. I, I did notice that from, I think it was the one which came out most recently, that unfortunately, because of the, some of the eras that you particularly like your music from, a lot of these people are sadly no longer with us either. Yeah, and I kind of live in constant fear at the moment of, of people dying. So, like some of the, I've been really lucky to see some people in concert who are like well into the seventies, and I'll be devastated when they die. And it's going to be sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's pers- it personal, personal, doesn't it? When it's um, oh yeah, a musician yeah. or a band that you've really been invested in over the years and you've seen live, it, you do feel it. You, yeah. you know, that talent has gone. That talent would never make something new or fresh for you to listen to. So I can definitely empathise where you're coming from there. No, I've, I've definitely done it as a hobby for myself. And then just as it's gone on, more and more people have listened. And then it's just something else to talk to, talk to people about. It, it, it's an interesting little community. And there's some, some people complain when I play 15-minute progressive rock songs but that just means i'm going to play more of it just to annoy you so. <laughs> be, be careful what you wish for that's, yeah be careful be, ca- yeah, be careful be ca- what you moan about <laughs> yeah, yeah paul <laughs> listener of this show <laughs> well as, as as we said there'll be a there'll be a link in the show notes to social distancing sound so if you if you haven't checked it out already make sure you do because it is a, a quality listen and it's certainly something that i look forward to every fortnight while we're just finishing off uh, the last of our first beer, let's just rattle through a few news stories this week. And we're going to start off with some breaking news, actually, because at time of recording, this has only just gone live on, on, on social media. Uh, since about lunchtime today, uh, out of nowhere, Thornbridge have started tweeting new Jaipur releases that the, the first of which came while I was out on a bike ride and I have to admit I saw it come up on my screen on my handlebars and almost fell off my bike uh, when, I, when I saw what I was reading and that was the news that, that, that Jaipur is going to be appearing in 440 mil cans um, and at the same time that they released that information they said oh but we're not done there yet there's a couple more releases coming now that was rapidly followed by uh, DDH Jaipur uh, coming in at 5.9% again in 440 mil cans and I think at this point everyone was like I think we all know what's coming next but but they've, they've kept us hanging on and, and they've literally just released the news that Jaipur 10 is, is coming back um, and it's going to be available in an exclusive gift pack with the other two 440 mil Jaipurs and a brand new Thornbridge Teku glass now if, if there isn't as a single person that listens to this show that isn't currently getting very, very excited over that news, then I'd be very surprised. Well, I'm less excited about the DDH bit. Mm. I don't think we're going to see them have got strayed too far from the original recipe. They've kept it the same ABV, so it's five yeah, point, still coming in at 5.9. I thought that about Axedge when they brought out their DDH version of that and they had strayed too far for my liking. Um, I'll I'll do my utmost to still get it because I want the Jaipur 10 Um, uh, it's a shame you have to buy three other things to come come with the Jaipur 10 rather than me spinning to bung on ordering for Jaipur 10 
Um, almost feels like they're they're trolling Magic Rock a bit. Almost going to do a Jaipur run. It it does it does feel that way. Yeah, I I mean I've got to admit I'm surprised to see Jaipur in a four forty mil can. Um, and that there's two things I've got to say about that. Maybe three. The first one is it's obviously only been done to be part of this pack with, yep. with, with the other two because there's no way they're going to deviate from 330ml cans that are so popular in probably all leading supermarkets now as, as well. Uh, but secondly, I'm like, hang on a minute. Didn't you get rid of 500ml bottles a couple of years ago and, and now you're bringing back 440ml cans? Uh, what's going on there? I saw someone ask that very same question on Twitter. Um, but I mean, I think we, the, the, we know why they got rid of the 500 milliliter bottles. They, they just weren't as marketable, especially outside of the UK, were they? No, no. And obviously we've seen what, what with the uh, resurgence of, of, of cans that we have now, we, we've seen Jaipur do very, very well in cans. Um, but they're, they're certainly three beers I'm, I'm very, very excited to, to, to try and I'll be looking forward to getting my hands on, on, so on, on those. So just to be clear, as far as we're aware, if you want the Jaipur 10, you have to get the gift pack. It sounds like you've got to get this gift pack. It sounds like what it is, is the, the three beers and a glass, maybe. Or it might be six, nine beers and, and, and a glass. It might be multiples of the three and, and then the glass with it. But at the moment, the, the only information at time of recording that, that, that we have <laughs> is what they've put out on social media and, and a link to sign up to their newsletter to, to, to get the first access to, to, to the packs when they become available. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not that fussed about the, if they, that's the only way of buying it, is buying it in multiples, because I, 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 I buy Jaipur anyway. The DDH, probably only need one can of that. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a few of the Jaipur 10, because then what I've usually done in the past is had one straight away, and then maybe aged a couple just, of them. Just aged a it a bit, yeah. So yeah. hopefully they'll you know, given how much beer they can actually produce and, and putting it into cans, hopefully maybe just the initial bit is a gift pack or, you know, like a, a mixed case. And then perhaps you can um, maybe still buy a case of it or six of it or whatever. But yeah. See what the demand is first before putting them out as, as single units. Yeah. But it's good to see Jaipur 10 back though. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I can't remember. It was five years ago since it was last out and I last tried it. So it'll be great to, be? to revisit that. Yeah. Cool. Bloody hell, really? I, so we don't know when it comes out yet. No, no, we don't know when it's out yet. I'm, oh. I'm guessing it's this week because they've got that they've got press images of mm. of, of the cans pouring beer and, and and what have you. But this obviously this year is the 15th birthday of Jaipur. Yeah. So it's um, five years on from the, the the first release of Jaipur 10. So so it's obviously time to bring it back. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually more, than, I'm more than happy with that. I'm actually going to their tap room next week, so it'd be interesting to see uh, if uh, any of it is knocking around. That's that's why you was asking the yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, maybe they'll have someone. Maybe you might even get someone tap, Rob. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. And, no, and fingers if, crossed if, for you. Yeah. That's my, yeah. If you if you do, make sure to get a picture of it and troll Martin with it on on a oh, regular oh, yeah. basis <laughs> as, 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 as well. Obviously, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> gratuitous use of, of Twitter and then maybe all the other socials as well. Oh, thanks. Great. 
the, the second news story this week, um, not such great news. Uh, obviously, if, unless you've had your head under a rock, you, you can't help but have noticed that some of the restrictions uh, have changed in the country again. And there's, there's more um, restrictions and guidance being placed on pubs and bars in terms of uh, an earlier closing time and table service only and, and, and the wearing of masks. Um, there's, there's not really too much else we can say about this. Everyone knows it's there. Obviously, Martin, you and I experienced it at the weekend and we, we experienced it to a very high standard. I, I think the one thing to, to say is that what CBA have come out and asked for the government to do more than what they're doing for the, for the sector because they feel as though some of the measures that have been put in place, in particular around the, um, the new job support scheme, doesn't really address the issues that are facing the, um, the brewing and hospitality industry at the moment. And, and CBA have been very clear in saying to the government, we really think you need to do more. Otherwise, we're going to lose, we're going to lose a lot of bars, we're going to lose a lot of pubs, and we're, we're going to end up losing breweries. And all of that is going to result in lots and lots of jobs, job losses as well. Yeah, I think, again, Sebra have come out pretty quickly with that. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, putting the mask on when we weren't at our table, you did sort of have to remember, you know, I'm going to go to the loo, it's five yards away, put the mask on, pop out to get some cash, referencing the, the card machine not working. Um, the, the, the 10 o'clock curfew is bollocks, though. Oh, I don't yeah. get that bit, makes no sense whatsoever. Um, especially in any sort of large towns or cities. I mean, we've all seen the pictures over the weekend, and I'm not being funny. That was easily predictable. Oh, yeah. That was a known, known. I mean, that, that's, it's, it's, an, it's, it's oh, so frustrating. At least in maybe villages and stuff, people aren't all piling onto yeah. public transport. But if we say, even just look at Birmingham, I'm sure that though some of those trams and buses and trains would have been a lot busier all at the same time, just because oh, yeah. everyone's leaving. It'd be a nightmare. I mean, it's busy enough anyway at 10 o'clock from the people who've been out in the in the day and have had enough. But what are these halfwits doing, honestly? Like, it's so obvious to us that you're going to get a load of people, get Kaloid, and, and then, oh, yeah, let's all put them on the bus at the same time. Let's all kick them out at the same time. Yeah, and then, so obviously, there's pe everyone getting people takeaways. Even people working as well, like they're leaving at the same time because they've got to shut up. So it's just nonsense. There's absolutely, oh, it's just not at all sensible, is it, to put it nicely? Well, especially when they've come out and said that they didn't do any modelling on this at all. So basically, they've used, they've basically <laughs> used hospitality, whether that be wet-led pubs, food-led pubs, restaurants. They've used hospitalities, uh, a very expensive warning shot to the public that this is, what we're, this is what we'll do. If you don't pay attention, we'll do more. It, but it's been aimed in the wrong place, been completely aimed in the wrong place. And yeah. Work, Workplace canteens are all right, though, apparently, today. Uh, apparently, but, um, apparently they, I saw it on BBC News before we came, came on to record that um, they have clarified that any of the bars that are still open in, in uh, the Houses of Parliament will not be serving after 10 o'clock alcohol. Um, they have clarified that one, but yes, up it's until, almost as if they didn't think we'd find out. Well, you know, why would we find out? Why, why would we pay attention to what's going on around us? But yeah, I, 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 but that's my biggest disappointment. I think all of the places I've seen are really struggling to work work hard at this. 
but the 10 o'clock thing is just rubbish idea. Yeah. And again, I think at time recording, though, isn't there a suggestion that they may be looking at it because there's been some calls, particularly from the uh, the mayor of Manchester, and, and and I'm sure that will be backed up by the mayor of London as well to say, look, this just isn't working. We need to look at a better way of doing it. And they should do. They should look at it, yeah. and they should they should be brave enough to revisit that particular policy. Yeah. Because I don't I don't see where that's adding any benefit. Well, well, hopefully we will see some revisions to it, but I'm sure it's something that's that, that's not going to go away anytime soon. So I'm, I imagine we'll be revisiting this uh, in a couple of weeks' time on the next show. Now, uh, for the final news item this week, uh, it's something a little different from us as we cross live to us on location. We're here live at the Vic with friend of the show, Rich Taylor. Good Rich, evening. welcome once again to Opinions. Evening, guys. Um, why are we here this evening? For a ridiculous reason, to be honest, Steve. It, it is. This is um. <laughs> this is a, a kind of live news segment. So, recently, Brewdog released what is now officially the world's strongest beer, coming in at fifty-seven point eight percent. A collaboration with Schorge Brau, um, who are a German brewery. Who a decade ago they had a competition. With to see who could brew the world's strongest beer. That's when they were dropping him into the bottom of the ocean kind of thing, weren't Yeah, they? tactical nuclear penguin, sink the bears mark, yeah. all that sort of thing. Um, so the, the two breweries came together and they've, they've brewed this beer. Um, basically, it's called Strength in Numbers, 57.8% that reaches um, this colossal ABV through the traditional ice bock method, which means freezing the beer and removing chunks of ice, water, so that you're left with concentrated high ABV liquid. Uh, this, this beer is a blend of Brewdog's own Death or Glory, which is the beer that we did with Men Behaving Badly yep. back on that episode, um, which is an ice distilled gold now that's been sitting in whiskey casks for 10 years. So, so this beer has been 10 years in the making. Rich, you bought this beer. <laughs> um, it's the tiniest <laughs> bottle we've ever seen. It is a small little 40ml bottle, yes. Uh but came with a lot of packaging. It, it, it did. We're not pe- people know how much it is, so we're not going to go in, into no. that. But it looks like uh, the like uh, Tabasco sauce bottle. It is. It's a similar sort of size. It's so tiny, but, but the aroma. It's all I mean, over the place. It's, it's, the aroma is amazing it's from stunning, here. Yeah, I mean, we've each got less than half a shot glass. There is half a shot uh, glass. Of, of it's, this. Pro- it's probably it's less than an official shot I imagine Rich it's 13.333 recurring yes so you wouldn't normally buy this would you this no you wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed to you wouldn't be allowed to buy no. it but Rich you've um, kindly kindly agreed to share this with us for posterity on the show so should we do this I think we should oh, let's, yeah let, let, let's, let's, let's do uh, this cheers 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 guys That's warm. <laughs> well, you say that. I, I didn't think it was that warm. Oh, the aroma I think is amazing. I don't think the flavour is as nice as the aroma. It's um, it's sticky toffee. Yeah. That yeah. is that is almost like sticky toffee pudding. Now, bearing in mind the day we're drinking this has become suddenly the coldest, greyest day in Essex for the last six months. This is actually really quite warming now. I actually really enjoyed that little sip. Yeah, I did enjoy I, that I, little sip. I want more. Yeah. I, want, I want more of that. Rich, Rich where's the other <laughs> bottles? Yeah. I, um, did, I did work out that it, it is actually four hundred and eleven pound a pint. 
Did you? Oh, how, how craft. <laughs> that, that is... That's unbelievable, though. When you put it into that perspective, yeah, yeah, but you never, I mean, but you wouldn't, you would never have a fifty-seven percent drink in a pint, whatever it is. No, no, whatever version. No, because is. that is that's stronger than what's what's the strongest spirit you sell here? Oh. Uh, we've got some strong rums that are top end of. But even though, what's, 50%. It, what's the fam- what's the famous navy navy rum? That's around about the same sort of percentage, and you still uh, have that. In, we've got Pusser's rum downstairs, that's the one. which that's is around 50, 54 and a half yeah. percent. So this is stronger than that. Yeah, yeah. So this is right now, as as we stand in the pub, this is the strongest drink in this pub right now. Well, it was, but yeah, well, it, <laughs> was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't. Too, it was. Yeah. It was so we drank um, it in one. Yeah, yeah, but. It's it's great to have been able to try that. Yes, and, and thank Firstly, you, thank you so much. You, no, Rich. you're welcome, Rich. Rich. Thank you, guys. It was a lovely. What I would say, although the bottle is small, it was beautifully presented. Very much so, and I've got to say, Brewdog have done well on this. You, you question the whole marketing gimmick. Would you really ever drink a beer or buy a beer at that that ABV? Probably I not. I quite like the fact that they've collaborated with the people who they're having the competition with. Yes, yeah, those I, years yeah, ago. That's, that, that's brilliant. I, quite like, but, like um, I said, the, I thought the aroma was really good. I thought the flavour didn't quite match the aroma, but the warming effect was really nice. Yeah, re- really nice. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to some more information about the beer. Unfortunately, it's sold out. It, it sold out fairly quickly on the Brewdog website, but we'll put the information in there so you can read about it. If you do get to have a try of this, approach it with an open mind, because actually, that's tastier than I thought it was going to be. It's an experience. Yes, And absolutely. again, thank you, Rich. No, you're very Cheers, welcome, guys. And with that, let's get some final thoughts on this first beer that, that we're finished i mean i know mine went a while ago uh, i'm sure rob's went ages ago <laughs> seeing, seeing as he only had a three yeah, I'm, 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 str- I'm struggling to remember it to be honest <laughs> I mean, it was all right but uh, i can't give you any sp- i think it was a nice beer and that's as specific as i can be considering it was so very long ago Fair enough. Uh, Martin, what, what about the uh i can't remember what yours was called uh farmhouse Lil- the Lil Lordag, Little Saturday from Cheshire Brew House, the modern Norwegian farmhouse ale. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, to be honest, I was trying to keep a steady pace to get to this point of the show. Um, pretty much did it. Um, I mean, that Kavik yeast is a, must be a bit of a beast to work with, to be honest. Because um, mm. it still seemed to be, you know, this was a very lively beer still. But yeah, all of the farmhouse uh, qualities that I mentioned earlier were present throughout the whole of the drink. Really quite drinkable and actually a lot drier than I first appreciated as well. I still have got a, quite a dry feeling in my mouth right now. Really enjoyed it. What about what about your one, Steve? Did the did the Sabro beer carry on getting your love or did the Sabro start to come through? It, sadly, it started to come through uh, about two thirds of the way down it as it began to warm it got far too tropical, far too pineapple-y, and, and then the, the coconut started to hit and, and, and started oh. to come through. So uh, the I've got to say the last third of it was a bit of a struggle to, to, to get through because all, all of those things in, in, in a warmer liquid uh, with that little bit of sweetness that was in there just became a bit of a challenge um, to finish. So uh, maybe if I had... Uh, continued at the pace that I started with it, I, I would have got through it all while it was still cold. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't really work for me as it began to warm. I mean, that's a shame, but it's probably not unexpected, to be honest. I, I was half, I was sort of thinking that's probably where you're going to land, given that you're making it last a little bit. 
it's a 440 can. You probably needed that in a 330, mate, to be honest. Yeah. Or, or, or to be sharing it with, with you, probably. Yeah, but I'm, I'm quite happy not to have shared it. Okay, fair, fair <laughs> enough. Um, let's move on to our second beer of the evening. Uh, Rob, what have you got as your second beer this evening? Uh, so sticking with the uh, the Bruja, or Brewer, I still don't know how to say that. It's their um, their Park Life Lager, which is a four point eight percent, described as a, a British style lager. So, yeah, it's uh, it looks like a lager, it smells like a lager, and it sounded like a lager when I opened the can. <laughs> so we can deduct from that that it's probably going to taste like a lager as well. Yeah, it's, well, got, it does smell like one as well. So, okay, cool. I mean, look, it looks good in the glass from where I am. Uh, what have yeah. you got, Steve? What have you gone for your second beer of the night? I have got a beer that I got very excited about uh, on the last show and, and a beer that I was very excited to find when I was in Leeds on tap. Um, I've got the Colonel and New Barnes Multigrain IPA Galaxy collaboration. So, so I'm very excited to try the bottled version of, of this as well because on, on draft, this is a beer of the year contender right right wow. here. So I'm, I'm hoping that it, it comes through uh, the same in the bottle as well. Martin, what about yourself? Um, I've raided my stash and um, knowing that you were doing a New Barnes Kernel collaboration, I've decided to go for a Kernel beer, one of their India Pale Ales, Mosaic and Amarillo at 6.9%. And naturally, I'm excited about it because it says the Kernel. So that's, that's, that's all it needs to say. I, I, I didn't mention the ABV in mine. It's 6.5% per, per this one. So uh, should we dive in? Because I'm really, really looking forward to trying these seconds. Definitely. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, it's bloody delicious. Um, before I say too much about my beer, though, Rob, does it taste like a lager? It does, in fact, taste like a lager. Yeah, it's uh, it's a... Uh, Quite nice, actually. Very malt forward, but uh, uh, earthy hoppiness. Not nice balance to it. It's very drinkable. Uh, which I suppose, if you're going to describe it as a British lager, you'd expect to to have those. I think the multi notes come through. I think anyway. That's my yeah. gut feeling when I see something like that. Say, but I'm glad it tastes like a lager after that build up. So um, yeah. Uh, and obviously, I've sort of let the cat out of the bag, but I think my beer is rather delicious, to no one's surprise. But Steve, how does the bottle version of your multi-grain IPA stand up to the tap version? It's it's still very delicious. What it's lacking is maybe the life that the draft version had. That the, the draft version had a lot more carbonation to it, a um, bit, bit, bit more body. As, as as well, and certainly had a had a much fuller fuller head. I mean, I've only got a very very tiny yeah. head on on this beer, um, which which contrasts. And again, for listeners, this is rubbish. This bit this segment of the show, but for contrast, I've probably got a very good one to two finger head on my bottle of Kernel that I've just poured. Whereas yours is a is a very very thin head there, Steve. Yep, might be might be glassware choice again as well though, because I've gone for a, I've gone for a Teku 
uh, for this, and, and and you're in a standard sort of tulip glass there, aren't yeah. you? So, so it's, you know, sometimes the the smallest things can can impact, but it's it's still a really really delicious beer. That the, the one thing that, that that does get me with this though, and again, this is going to be shit for our listeners because this is all about uh, visual right now. Is is that label makes my eyes hurt? Um, I, I know what you're saying, but I just love the fact that I never thought I'd see a bit of the kernel label mixed with anyone else's. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it is, it is a great collab label. I mean, they have it's essentially bought, bought the two breweries together in the single label. Uh, the, the, thing, the thing that's tickling my OCD a little bit is it's not a proper kernel label. It's, it's not the brown paper. That's, I know. The, um, that's the Aldi version, though, one not it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not in terms of the brewers that are behind it, but <laughs> oh no, no, no disrespect the, there, no. The, certainly the label. Um, yeah. Well, why we enjoy these beers, and let's get in to this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. As has become customary now, let's just have a look at some of the other polls that, that we ran in, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, only one to mention this time. This was suggested by Chris Martin at MRCJ Martin. And he simply asked, what's your preference, core range or specials? So we had 617 votes on that. 64% of people going for core range. 36% of people going for specials. The underlying theme for most of the replies on that was basically that it's the core range that brings you in and the specials that keep you yeah and also i think uh, you know it's slightly referenced when we talked about it with the keeping up with the joneses last time that the core is what tells me how accomplished they are and then once they've got me there the specials i'm probably more willing to go for anyway so yeah i, I that probably felt fairly much how i thought it would do core range specials so yeah what what, what do you think rob um Pretty much what you've just said, really. It's for me, definitely core range is what I look for. You've got the consistency there, it builds the trust, and then you're more likely to go for the special releases because of that. I think you're probably the same, aren't you, Steve? Yeah, I, I, I can't really deviate from that. Well, um, thanks again to everybody who got involved in it. Um, and you know, it's, I'm sure it's saying it's going to hang around a bit. You know, we've even referenced it this evening with the old uh, Jaipur 10 and the DDH Jaipur. So, you know, I may not be that fussed about the DDH, but I'll probably want to give it a go because it's from Formbridge. Exactly. And it's, it's, a, it's a new spin on Jaipur. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, just, I just will say, though, don't ever start putting fucking fruits in Jaipur. So if I ever see a, <laughs> if I ever see a mango or pineapple or grapefruit Jaipur... Look out, I'm coming up to have words. Oh, there's going to be a strongly worded letter from myself there as well. <laughs> I like that. Strongly worded letter. That's old, old which, school. I, which I will take to the brewery and read to them in person. <laughs> <laughs> all, all six foot five and 20 stone off me. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> this week's main question, the one that we're, we're going to get into in a bit more detail, um, was if pubs and bars have limited information online about their opening hours, does it impact on your decision to visit? So we had 491 votes, 81.1% of people said yes, 18.9% of people said no. First up from Jeremy Simon at Jeremy Simon Make. At the moment, it certainly does. Not normally as I like to wander around and if somewhere is shut, then fair dues. But with the bookings and everything else, I definitely check things more online. 
from Cyber Beer Reviews at Cyber underscore Beer. Depends. If I'm staying local, no. If I'm travelling somewhere, possibly. From Pete at Hops and Hoops. I said no. If it's not apparent online and I'm in doubt about it being open, I'll pick up the phone. From Kerry Jones at, uh, I'm going to have to spell this, C-E-Z-J-O-N. I voted no, only because I know that I'd be bloody stupid and probably not check. Doesn't mean I think about, I think that opening hours shouldn't be available online, just might not always impact my decision, but I'll always look if I, do, if I don't know. From Kat Sewell at Katrinas, I don't work Wednesdays and like to go for a walk and a beer in a new place. It's un- unhelpful not knowing if somewhere will be open during the week. And then from Mark Newman at Mark underscore Beer Art, Nothing more annoying than travelling to visit a pub only to find it doesn't open for three hours. From Witchwood John? Not really. But what I will say, recent trends of opening only certain days and times are fine, but make sure you stick to them. Twice recently, I've made a special trip to pubs, bars, check their Facebook before leaving, only to find them closed. I won't go back. And from Johnny Drinks Beer at SE18CBL? If it's a small tap room or local micro pub, I'll always check them on social media. Nothing worse than wandering through a desolate industrial estate to find those big steel shutters are closed. From Jay at JZ1878, I like to know everything, even transport, parking, links, situation. If I'm going to make a day out of it, I want to be absolutely comfortable and organised. And then from Gary at Workshop Driver, voted yes. What's worse is when they publish the information but don't keep it updated. So you get there and they're closed. Happened to me a few times recently. As always, that's just a snapshot of all of the comments we got. The question is in the show notes. You can click on that. You can have a read through uh, what everybody had to say about this. Thanks to everybody that took the time to comment on on this week's poll. This is something that I, I know, Martin, that you and I have discussed about featuring on a show since pretty much you first came on board um, <laughs> to, to opinions. Yeah, it's been um, a fucking bugbear of mine for, for bloody years. I don't um, understand. I do not understand how people don't get it. Seriously. It, it's almost like I don't need to say anything else. I've ripped the strip and, 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 and it's it <laughs> off. I, I think, I think the, the reason why we, we went for this this week, because it's been kind of highlighted again by your recent visit to drop Michael off in Plymouth for, for university. Yeah, you know, it's not the, as I found with uh, Plymouth previously, since Michael's been at university, it's not necessarily the biggest beery destination if you're looking for something different. If you're looking for nice pubs, traditional beers, and obviously there's a number of St. Allstall venues you can go to. But if you want to think a little bit, bit more than that, then generally you have to have a little bit of a look. And... I did find somewhere which piqued my interest. Um, Check the hours on Google. And then I wasn't, still wasn't sure about it. So when I went out for my run on Sunday morning, I decided to go via the place. And again, no, nothing on their, on their windows or their doors to indicate their times of opening and closing. I thought, well, that's stupid. And then um, I saw their like sandwich board, which was tucked away behind some chairs. I mean, what, uh, showing their opening hours, um, and they differed to what was on Google at the time as well. So I thought, well, okay, that's good. I found the blackboard. I can see the opening hours. Why you've got your blackboard with your opening hours tucked behind some chairs? I don't know. Seems a bit daft. Because do you only put it out when you're open? In which case, 
people know already. Um, so I thought, but I did look around, see if there was anywhere else nearby that I liked. There was um, a very eclectic looking pub, which had the world's biggest amount of memorabilia on the outside. So I thought, well, I've got to pop inside, goodness knows how much will be in there. And um, I checked their opening times and that, that was good. So I thought, okay, well, I'll come back up here. Now, from where I was staying at the hotel and where it was versus the city centre, the hotel to there was probably a, bus, a decent bus ride away. And then it was still a 25-minute walk into the city centre. So I did have to do a little bit of planning because I was still meeting up with Michael for a bite to eat in the evening and I wanted to watch the Chelsea-Liverpool match. And I got up there and the damn place was closed well after its advertised opening hours. And it was like, oh, fuck's sake. Seriously, what are you doing? You're, you're, you know, especially at the moment. I mean, it annoyed me before COVID anyway, but especially at the moment, why are you putting people off going? Um, and yes, I, I, I can imagine it's a ball late to have to update Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, if that's where you are, and also make sure that it's on Google, but do it. You're a business, you want my money, do it. Uh, so I went to the other pub and I left there after probably a couple of hours. The other place was then open. No word of a lie. They had their sandwich board out saying what time they opened as well. I was like, for goodness sake, you don't even open at that time. Um, and the good, there's a good chance I won't go back. It'll be the same as Garage in Barcelona last year, um, who decide during August that they don't open during the day. They don't open until five o'clock, but they didn't update Google. In fact, pretty certain I haven't actually bought a Garage beer <laughs> since that particular disappointment. But I don't understand it. I mean... Uh, and yes, you could pick up the phone, but why, why do I as a customer have to do extra work to find out if a business is open? We don't do that. We don't do that with other places. So just be open when you say you're going to be open. If you don't want to open then, fine, but have it advertised. Or if for some reason there's a problem, then it's a quick uh, replicated message across your socials. And I had actually messaged them on the Saturday and I'm still waiting for the reply. So... You know, for me, I thought I'd done enough to spend a bit of money there. And I had planned to buy some takeaways as well um, because I knew that I could have them in the hotel later in the evening. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's just no reason for not advertising your opening hours, at least on your own door. Why wouldn't you? It's bonkers. I'll have a breather and drink some Colonel beer now. I... I... I'm, I'm going to go straight to Rob because I don't think there's, there's a lot more I can add to what you've just said there. Um, Rob, do you, do you have any views on this particular subject? Um, it's probably something that maybe I haven't worried about that much until more recently because I, th I think I'd be more bothered if I was perhaps going on a trip to somewhere somewhere else. You want, you want to know what's going on because you don't want to make a waste of your trip, do you? But I did, um, I had a day off work a few weeks ago and I was in Brum and I was in a particular part of town with a friend of mine and I says, oh, we can go here for a drink. And I says, I'll just check that it's open first. And in that case, I, uh, I couldn't find any information to tell me whether it was open or not. And it's, I think there's like, they tend to post on social media when they're open, but not when they're closed. And like, I don't know, perhaps I don't pay attention every week, but I was quite frustrated because I ended up far away from anywhere else. I could actually go for a drink. I think, I think the thing, the thing for me is, is that if, if, if a venue 
is, is actually active on social media as well. It, it doesn't actually take a lot to update your, your profile information or even put out a post that you then pin to the top of, of, of your feed so that people can see it. I, mm -hmm. I, I really don't, I don't think when it comes to social media, if, 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 if a venue is an active social media user, there's no excuse why there shouldn't be up-to-date no. opening information available on their social media feeds for, for you to, to look at. Because in, in this day and age in particular, that's, that, that's largely the first place that people go to. Even before a venue's website, they'll go to their social media accounts to see what, 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 they're, what they're all about, what they're up to, are, are they active? And, and then they'll maybe look at the website and, well, had, when was the last time this website was opened? And, and yeah, I think these days, again, Martin, to probably lend itself more to what you were saying, probably picking up the phone is, the, is an absolute last resort that, that you'll do to, to find out whether a place needs to book. I mean, I, I had that when I, when I went to Leeds with, um, with the North Bar. I, I, wanted to, I, I wanted to go to North Bar because um, I wanted to take Emma there because obviously, you know, it's the, the genesis of craft in the UK, as, as, as a lot of people will reference it. Um, and I tried to contact them via social media and there was no response. And I tried to contact them via email and there was no response. And eventually I had to call them and say, look, do we need to book to come up or is it just walk-ins? And I said, Oh no, no, it's just walk-ins. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just think that's, that's, that's quite poor. You know, if you're active on social media, respond to your customers. I think now as humans, we're conditioned to uh, expect to be able to find things out easily. So it's very frustrating if you've got to go to the, the lengths of having to phone someone up when you should be able to just check in a 10, 15 seconds maximum. Yeah, but even worse, when you take that effort and they still don't adhere to it either. You know, yeah. that, that's, that's when it's really annoying. And like I said, Garage was the one which really peed me off last year because, you know, we'd been on, a, on, on the cruise and we said, right, this is where we're going to go to. And it was the furthest point away from where we, we, we wanted to actually end up. And if it hadn't been for the fact that Beer Cab was nearby, which was a lovely place, thoroughly enjoyed my time in there, then I would have been particularly peed off because I would have been like, well, okay, so I've come the furthest point out and there isn't anything around it. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Or because you can't be asked to keep things up to date. Um, yeah, I, I've got nothing else to add apart from yeah, the chances are that because of the type of person I am, I don't revisit. You, you pretty much give people one chance, don't you? Yeah, I'm a bit shit like that. And um, if you're a business and you want my cash, then tough, you've missed out now. I can see that. I, I, like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like that, you know, especially if, if, if you are trying to, to, to get to a venue, maybe for the first time. And, and, you know, you've made, I think somebody said, you know, if you've made effort to travel somewhere, you, you want to, and, and maybe you've got a bit of an itinerary for the day. And again, especially at the moment, you're having to plan how long you're going to be in a place because you might have to book your first venue, your second venue, your third venue, you're going to have to book every venue you want to be at. You, mm. you want to know that you're, you're going to be able to spend an amount of time in each place. And especially if it's somewhere that, that that's not, not local to you as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. Um, I'm loving the curdle beer though. It's helping me get through my little bit of angst and anger. I, I can see that that's, that that's brought, brought you down a little bit. Uh, loads of great comments this week. Um, keep that conversation going. Use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. 
from Jack Renders at Renders underscore Jack. As always, excellent, excellent show. Great to hear about the Brewdog Forest and Zero Carbon ambitions. I wonder what other smaller breweries are doing. Adnam's newish brewery used carbon negative hemp lime blocks as part of the building fabric roughly 10 years ago. Now that bit I didn't know. I know they'd gone quite carbon neutral with their spent uh, grain and stuff and also with the roof being gardened almost. That's that's the facility just outside of Southwold, isn't it? Rather than the brewery itself. Ah, okay, yes, yes, you're right, yes. They've that's got where a, they've... it's either a packaging or a distribution centre just as you're coming into Southwold yeah. that has got the living roof. Yeah, yeah, so that's quite, that, I mean, that's a niche fact. Hemp line blocks as part of the building fabric. Yeah, we that's like facts. a niche facts. fact. Yeah, we yeah. like facts. Thank you very much, Jack. Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Very much enjoyed the show, but most of all for Martin espousing a view on mild, I vehemently approve of. It's a style we need to be more available, whilst the snores of a legendary bulldog resound in the background. Yes, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> From Ronnie Bean at Ronnie Bean, enjoyed the show. Don't follow Insta beer Instagram, so when Gammon Baron shared an image of Morrison shelves, I was straight there. Highlight was beer, uh, beer from Buxton Wild Boar. Um, I think that lends itself to what we were saying in the last show, wasn't it? It's like some bre some breweries, some accounts are, are missing customers by only focusing on one account. Yeah, definitely. And then from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert, Martin. So when does the Colonel Canteon Taproom open? Totally nailed it for me. The question's done right there. Steve knew it at the time too. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, it's um, the more I think about that combo, the more I wish it would come into come to fruition i can't ever imagine it actually happening but as a as a fantasy tap room it's, oh, it's going to tick so many boxes isn't it for people uh, take some beating as well mate that would that would that be that would be a place to visit that would be on tickers list wouldn't it oh yeah you'd never get in especially at the moment you'd never be able to book to get in <laughs> <laughs> as long as they advertise the times though yeah and let's hope they respond to customer inquiries yeah exactly from Neptune Brewery at Neptune Brewery. Excellent listen with the recent Beer O'Clock Show podcast. Ease the drive back from the lakes. The orange flavour mentioned is from the hops we use. Mosaic and wooden ships are two from our five core beer range. Glad you, you enjoyed them. So I think we actually were maybe thinking maybe it was their, their house yeast or something that was perhaps giving off the similarity in the orange flavor but there we have it some more facts the orange notes you may or may not get from neptune brewery are from the hops rather than the yeast full of facts tonight full of facts yeah uh ian hay at ii hay listening to the latest episode while tidying the garage some marvelous flashbacks to drink the gradient great event um yeah i think there's a lot of love for that event and um, i think as you said on the last show steve it'd be great to actually get up there and do it in person oh wouldn't it just it, it would be absolutely fantastic. And then final comment this week from Mark Johnson. Great podcast and great to listen to one of the North's best breweries being showcased. In terms of fantasy brewery bar collabs, it would obviously be Torside with the Brower Heller, a.k.a. Shalenka. Though UK-based, I would have every style I love, including American Brown and American Red Owls, covered by, Tor, the, by a Torside and Marble collab. Finally, as a slight left-field choice, despite loving the beer myself, I always think of you two when I recall Heavy Lord, with it being so heavily mentioned by yourselves. 
So well, it won our beer of the year last year, didn't it? It, it did. So Mark ticking off quite a few uh, boxes there in terms of the responses. Um, and it's, it's great that the listeners continue to feedback on the shows and just, again, use that hashtag opinions and keep the comments coming. I don't know about you two. Uh, well, I do know about Rob because I saw him finish the, the last of his class. Uh, yeah. Martin, how are, how are you going uh, with, with your beer? Maybe, maybe just while you and I finish, let's, let's let Rob give some final thoughts on that lager. Uh, yeah, it tasted like a lager. Um, as it warmed up, I did get a, a subtle grapiness that I perhaps wasn't expecting. But yeah, sessionable, reasonably enjoyable. If it was a hot day, I'd probably happily knock back a couple of points of that. Well, yeah, nothing, nothing to uh, write home about. Uh, my Colonel India Pale Ale Mosaic Amarillo 6.9% was just stupidly drinkable. Um, you know, I, I love drinking Colonel beers from the tap, but failing being in the Vic or the Arch in London, in South London, then their bottled beers are just always super. Herb. Um, like I said, lovely condition. Decent bit of lacing on the glass still as well. Um, and just there's that smooth drinkability about Colonel Beers, isn't there? With that little bit of an earthy quality hiding hiding in the background as well. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, although the last beer is a big beer, it's got quite a lot to live up to. My Colonel New Barnes collab, um, I'm going to say I preferred it on draft. Um, but the bottle is still really tasty. Uh, there's there's a lot of layers going on. And there's a lot of complexity going on in in, in this beer because of the, the the range of grains they've used to to, to, to brew it, um, and it's it results in in quite a dry finish. Actually, it's quite a dry sort of lemony earthy finish, um, but it, it works so well. But like like I say, for me, it just it just absolutely shone on on, on draft. Um, but still a delicious beer, and certainly one that if if you see, you should certainly pick it up and give it a go um just just because it's a great collab between two two amazing breweries excellent i mean i do want i do want to try that collab because you know they they, they've grown out of kernel haven't they new barns they've grown out they've grown out of kernel so to have them working together was a very obvious uh but nice collaboration so yeah i i would like to try it i've tried a few of the new barns beers and i would say so far the, the, the little bit of hype that's been generated around them is, is justified. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I would like to try their beers. I mean, yeah, I, love the way, I love the way they're stuck, they're stuck in bottles as well. Can you imagine if that label had been around a can though? Yeah, it really wouldn't have worked. Yeah, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been the same. You would have gone, okay, something's changed here. I, I do <laughs> believe in, in, with this beer in particular that the lead collab brewery is is the colonel so this is a colonel beer collabing with new 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 barns so i wouldn't have expected to see it in anything less than a, a brown bond. no no same here um but yeah I, I you know you you already had a it, it had a quite a lot to live up to after you'd had it on cart on a tap and really enjoyed it so it probably was always going to struggle against the experience of the tap version and while you were away in leeds as well yeah I'm, I'm, I'm quite fortunate I've got a second bottle of it as, as, as well in the fridge so I'll, I'll, it's certainly not one that I'm going to avoid and, and I'll certainly look forward to enjoying it again it's, it's, it's a great collab uh, it, it really is it's probably time to move on to our last beer of the evening which for, for, for us Martin is, is quite a big beer and it brings to the end 
almost a nine month long experiment that we've been doing. This is um, Camden beer 2019 revisited third time or fourth time now is, is this we would have done this. I feel like it's the fourth time. It is, the, it, it is. Yeah. I think we did it the first time. Then we had the suggestion um, from Rob, one of our listeners saying, why not try and do it another two or three times and see how it progresses? Because we, we felt that there was more to come from this beer. Yeah. And I, I think our intention was to do it every three months until December, which would have given us an entire year's worth of maturation. On, on, on this beer, but obviously with the situation as, as it was, the beers that we intended to end up sharing kind of didn't end up getting shared and we've kind of ended up having to dig into our own stashes on, yeah. on these to make sure we've been able to drink them. Yeah, so I mean, we'd, we'd bought a few anyway, hadn't we, when it came out? Um, and the idea was, yeah, we'd normally be sharing a uh, 11% Brute Imperial Pilsner. 500 mils of it. On a Monday at nine o'clock, why not have a whole bottle to myself? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, when I get over the craziness of this, what have you, what's your last beer, Rob? Uh, so again, with the, the brew heart, I've got the Nevermind IPA, the, the last of their, their core range, which is a 5.6% IPA with uh, some more sensible hops of Simcoe and, uh, and Chinook. So I'm uh, excited to try this. I mean, it's all, all sounding good to me. Yeah, literally half the ABV of what we're drinking. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, there, there you yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, oh, bad times. This is the strongest one. It's 5.6. So yeah, the, it's a bit lightweight today. Without further ado then. Cheers. 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 I don't know about you, Steve, but the... Um, the Camden beer 2019, those um, woody oak vanilla notes are definitely at their most prominent out of all the ones we've tried. Yeah, there's there's some sweetness in, in there as well that hasn't been there before. Um, I'd say also that I, I don't know whether it's the, 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 the coldness that I've got mine at, but there's almost no nose to it now either. There was, there was hardly any aroma on that. Well, I do wonder again whether it's the glass, because I mean, I've actually put mine in a, in a wine glass because of our conversations over previous shows where we were saying that the wine-like qualities of it. Yeah. There is a bit of a, a woody, I'm getting a bit of a woody nose on it, maybe even a bit of a, almost like a little bit of a cider and apple type of notes as well. Oh, I can see where you're going with that, yeah. Um, it's, it's very subtle. It, it definitely, well, I think it's about as far removed from a Pilsner as is possible to get while still calling it a Pilsner. For sure, yeah. I, and I, I think the other thing that, that, that strikes me as being very different since the last time we did this three months ago is it, it's not as lively now. Oh, that The, the, no, the body not, of it, it has, has really died down. And it does actually make me wonder if, if we had done another one in another three months, might it have gone too far? Come, come, sort of a year plus over its it, it, it's its bottling date. Uh, quite possibly. I mean, it's, it's definitely you know there's very little head retention in my glass now. Um, bags of different flavours, but you definitely wouldn't want to present this to someone who drank lager all the time and didn't didn't really drink much else and go here try this eleven percent beer and see what you think. Oh, it's a, it's as far away from a lager as you could possibly think. 
right, yeah. r- right now. And I mean, it's been interesting to see how it's changed o- over time because I mean, it's got a, it says on the bottle drink before November, 2020, which, which would kind of suggest that it was probably bottled in maybe October, November, 2019, probably brewed this time last year. So it's, it's, it's a year old, this, this, this beer now. Um, but it, it has, it has changed since the first time that we did it. Yeah, I mean, it's a complex, it's a complex beast. Um, and I think we felt that when we first had it num- the first time. I would, I would argue that probably the first time we had it was probably its peak for me. Although it's changed and aged and matured, for me as a beer drinker, I don't think it's got better. I'd agree. Actually, actually I think that first time we had it, it was, it was as, as good as it was going to get at that point. Yeah. How's your IPA, Rob? How's it going down? Um, I'm actually, I'm quite enjoying this one, actually. So as I said, uh, it's uh, Simcoe and, and, and Chinook, and the uh, the Simcoe, there's plenty of that going on. Sort of, uh, there's a bit of uh, like a berry sort of aroma and taste, and then apricot maybe, a little bit of citrus, plenty uh, sort of piney, woodsy earth, earthiness, and it's... Uh, it's not nicely balanced, really. Slight sweetness from the malt and a nice bit of refreshing finish. So, yeah, it's pretty good. 5.6%. Still what I'd consider to be pintable, quite sessionable. Well, compared to what me and Steve are drinking, it definitely <laughs> Yeah, is. compared to that, for sure, yeah. Well, while we finish off uh, these beers... Or it finishes us off. Oh yeah, whatever comes first, probably. Uh, we do have a couple of questions this week. Questions, questions, fill my head. First up from Johnny Drinks Beer at SE18 CBL. Do annual releases such as the Magic Rock Cannonball Run, Fuller's Vintage Owl, or Goose Island Bourbon County Stout still excite you, or is it clamouring for yearly releases a thing of the past? Personally, the hype for annual releases isn't as alluring for me as it once was. Whether though breweries selling out or the availability of year-round exciting new releases. This is a great question. And it's, it's really quite timely as well because uh, today Fuller's tweeted that for, for a limited time, this year's Vintage Owl, so Vintage 2020, is, is available in a lot, uh, all Fuller's bars or a selection? No, limited, I think. Limited. Um, they suggest you have a little bit of a look to find out. Um, although, ironically, the picture they chose to show of the beer was in a pint. Yeah, now, it's not a beer that... that... Vintage Ale is going to be a usual eight and a half percent. I'm not sure you should be advertising it as a pint anyway. You'd, you'd want it in that Fuller's tulip glass, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it would look just as good in front of the pump clip. Um, Better. Now, Fuller's Vintage Ale has always been available on cask, but it's usually been in summer. At like um, Great British Beer Festival, they often tried to release it then, didn't they? Um, yeah, I just, I sometimes think that's too early for it. It almost feels as though that's, They've, they've put it out as soon as it's ready, whereas I'm not sure that that's a beer that necessarily needs to be drunk fresh, so to speak. Oh, I would disagree. Okay. Um, I, I think it's, it's wonderful to try it on cars sometimes. I've had some wonderful experiences of tasting it at the Great British Beer Festival. Um, 
And it's nice then to then three or four months later have it on the first runnings of the bottle and then see how that changes as well. So I've, I've actually really enjoyed it. But I guess part of it this year is obviously no Great British Beer Festival and maybe pulling a few extra punters into the, into the Fuller's pubs. Well, the, the, yeah, they've got to get it out there, haven't, haven't they? But going back but to the question... I would, I would suggest not having a pint of it, though. Maybe no. don't have a pint. Yeah. Go, going back to the question of do, do the annual releases still excite us? Um, Rob, as, what, 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 what are your thoughts on this one? I would say probably not as much as they used to, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose in the same sort of way where I kind of uh, stepped off the, the hype train a few stops ago, it's the same way that some of the special releases aren't quite as exciting. Obviously, there are um, exceptions to the rule, and uh, Fuller's Vintage Ale would be one of those for me, generally speaking. And then there's been some that used to be special releases and then have just ended up being year-round and it takes the excitement away yeah that's that, that, that's that, that's a that's a good point actually in terms of when when does a, a an annual release stop being an annual release I, I suppose when it's available more than once a year um yeah. but but for me um in in terms of particularly some of the things that that, that johnny mentions there so the the, the cannonball run it, it, it's is still there's still something about it for me that, that, that I do get excited about. I mean, you know, un, that un, unhuman cannonball releases it is, it is a great time of the year. But I, I think back to the, the early days of the cannonball run when it, it used to be released in 660 mil bombers and you had to get up at six o'clock in the morning and be on Magic Rock's website and you could see the stock going down. That, that was when it was really exciting. It, it was like, am I, am I going to get one or, or, or not? I, I don't think I've ever been excited that early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and don't, don't get me wrong, I think, I think the fact that they now are able to produce enough that essentially everyone's able to get it is, 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 is great. And it is, it, is still, it, is, it is still one of the releases I look out for. I, I, I do feel as though their treatment of it last year though, where that they, they were building up to this big release towards the end of the year because that they were going for the freshest ever hops. Um, but it was, it was eight months later than it, it, it's normally released and the excitement had gone and they kept hinting yeah. that it was coming and there was this whole mystery around it. And I don't think that helped their calls really with, with, with it. I think they should have just said, look, we're releasing it in December. This is the reason why we're doing it. It will be available. Um, so, so that one in particular for, for me, yes, it will always have a, a special place in my heart, I, I suppose, because I've, that that's something that kind of my, my, my beer journey has, gone alongside as, as is the the magic rock unhuman cannibal releases um the, the the fuller's vintage owl for me is still the one much like yourself rob that i look out for um a bit easier these days really what with um my, my other half emma working in waitrose and that being one of the only places well the only place where you can buy it in the supermarket 
and uh, Martin and Clayton and I always share our vintage, our order. And it's even easier these days because I just say to him, well, can you just take a box off the crate before it goes off the shelves, <laughs> please? So, so we, we know we're going to be able to get it. Um, and, and yes, I do still look forward to it. Has, has Fuller's selling out made me a bit more wary of it? Um, maybe a little bit, especially after my experience with last year's version. Um, but I can only, I, I can only wait and see what this year's version is going to be like and to see if it's, if it continues the tradition, um, in, re, in regards to the, the final one there, the, 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 bourbon County stout, that's, that's not really one that I've ever really got that excited about. I've never really chased that one. Well, like in this country as well, like the amount of money you can end up paying for it, that has never interested me. Although when I did go to Chicago last year, it was nice to just go to their brew pub and just drink it for a sensible price. So I got excited about that. But in, in this country, it's never been something that I've been like, oh, I need to get hold of that. Because it's just it stops being fun when it costs me an arm and a leg and I have to swim through quicksand to get it. Absolutely. And, and I think until we start getting some of the other variants of it available in this country as well, I don't think they're ever going to create the hype around it in the UK that they have in, in, in the States around that beer. Martin, what, what about yourself on this one? Well, it's quite interesting listening to your, to your views, especially Magic Rock Cannonball Run, because that was one of the first times I think we had a, a decent proper night out before I came on the podcast was going to the release at Craft Beer Co. in Islington and having it from taps. And there was something quite special about it that you had to make an arrangement to make a plan, meet up with a few people, share the experience. And yeah, last year, I think they cocked it up completely. Um, they should have just come out. I mean, I, I, I don't know why they did it the way they did last year. I think it's a bit of an own goal. And also, why release your run of beers at a different time of year than you've done it before and then clashes with other ones as well, mm. you know? It's going to be a bit like this year where potentially you end up having a load of films released at the same time, which appeal to the same bit of the market. Yeah. Don't do it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange way of doing things. Um, I do still, yeah, I, I still get excited about Fuller's Vintage Ale. And I do like the Goose Island Bourbon County Stout releases, but I do agree with what you both said. I think it's a, it's a costly endeavour. Um, and... But I would get excited if I went to Chicago and it's on, it's on one of my hit lists. I would love to go to their brew pub. And yes, I would end up leaving there a little bit worse for wear because I would try to drink all of their variants of it that they had available <laughs> at the time. And, and, you know, despite the fact that obviously Goose Islands were bought out a number of years ago, that the Bourbon County Stout is still an exemplar of the style of that kind of beer, of the love, care and attention that goes into it. And I think, you know, Steve and I have been a bit lucky over the last couple of years where we've gone to the releases um, at the Goose Island Brew Pub in London. Imagine this way, that probably won't happen this year. Um, so that, that's obviously helped. I've always, I've always tried to pick up a few bottles as well along the way. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, there is more of it. It's probably a lot easier for you guys being close to London as well. That definitely helps. I mean, yeah. the, the brew pub's five minutes walk from Liverpool Street. So it's not like I've even got out of my way on the way home. Um, I, I did get quite excited about it. So I actually wish there was a few more of those kind of events of special releases. I think what is missing now is there's not as much of an event being made out of some of these seasonal 
seasonal beer releases, like what you guys have spoken about, about having to make the plan, it's kind of lacking there. And like the, the Magic Rock thing last year, I have to say that went completely under the radar for me. I didn't even realise it happened. Well, it wasn't an event, was it? I mean, yeah. I know that, you know, referencing uh, Canteon, which I did before with the tap room, but Swansea Day obviously just went past us. Yeah, I didn't even know that was properly going yeah. on until like, the actual day. And But at least, and again, I know that there's some people, you know, given last year and the year before, have issues with that, and, you know, rightly so, with some of the uh, spectacles that came about because of it. Yeah. But at least there was any, there's still an event around it. Mm. It's still something to book, something to go to, something to share with other people, either in person or in other places around different countries. So they're still keeping it as an event. And yeah, Magic Rock last year, it was like, okay, the beers are ready. Are you going to buy them? And that was it. You know, at least with Bourbon County Sound, there's a bit of an event. Fuller's, you know, they've, set, they've told you now, look, we know you like Fuller's. We know you like the Vintage Ale. Why don't you go and try it on cast now as well? You know, they're at least making a bit more of an effort. Whereas Magic Rock just sort of said, well, yes, we've done it all the other years. So here you are. It's eight months late. Go and buy your 500 milliliter cans, off you go. It's you interesting know. that it did happen to be that way last year as well, considering the obviously obvious uh, big events of last year with the, um, being bought by Lion. I yeah. If that has anything to do with it. Oh, well, I can't imagine it didn't. No. Um, but it is a great question, and it is a shame when you're not as excited about something. Although... Yeah. Mentioning what Steve said earlier about watching the beer count go down when you're trying to order it is like trying to get tickets to you know the Royal Albert Hall or something or a concert. So I, I'm in a queue. I'm apparently I'm next in the queue and then suddenly it changes and you're 500th in the queue. It's like oh for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there is still something special about it. Yeah, I remember a good few years where the the, the Magic Rock website just crashed. It it because it couldn't handle the traffic, especially when they began start becoming more and more popular. Um, you know, they people weren't able to get it, and like I said, I do think it's a great thing now that it's available to more people. Hmm. And, and yes, it's only available once a year, uh, but yeah, I, I agree that I think they that they ruined the magic a little bit last year of, of of that event by leaving it so long. Yeah, which is ironic given the name of the brewery. Yes, very much so. Now, the next question that we've got this evening is from Pete at Hops and Hoops. Um, I heard about a concept in the US where some bars sell all draft beers for the same set price and adjust the measure of the pour accordingly. So $5 might get you a pint of Pale Owl, two-thirds of an IPA, or half of an Imperial Stout. I wonder if that would work over here. Rob, as a frequent visitor to the US, is this something that you've experienced? Nope. Okay. No, I can't, not that I can think of. No, I wouldn't call myself a frequent visitor to the... I suppose I have been the last couple you've, of years. You've been more than I have. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's not something I've experienced either. Hmm. So it's an interesting one. What, I mean, what do you think about it, Rob? Do you think it's a good or bad idea? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, to be honest. I think it could be maybe a little frustrating might be restrictive or I don't, I don't know is there anywhere over here that does that i believe that i'm pretty sure that cloud water 
have, have done that since they've had tap rooms in various locations. The, 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 the price of a beer is the price of a beer and you will get the measure according to the ABV of that beer. Okay, so this, rather than some places which have a sliding scale of price per ABV, they have a sliding scale of measure yeah. per ABV. Yeah. It's an interesting idea, but I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much... I feel like a lot of people that get wound up by... that Because people are tight, aren't they? So they're going to be trying to work out the exact measure and whatever. And if it's like slightly over two-thirds or something, someone might kick off and say they're not getting enough for the money so yeah it'd be like one of those camera days where you say can i top it up please because you've well, left way too much space for a head there yeah that sounds about right uh i i reckon it would probably fall flat on its face here in most places personally uh, yeah well if you look at the uh the the, the success that in some quarters table service has been um it's probably not uh the revolution that we're looking for right now <laughs> is, is, is is it yeah, I, I gave you five pounds last time. You brought me a whole pint. What did you give me a half a pint for now? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a massive cultural shift, isn't it, that'll be needed before. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Exactly, yeah. Well, let's face it, we haven't really coped very well with two third pints a lot of places. So suddenly having one price and bringing different size measures to the table, it'll all be kicking off. And it, with, ta- with more tables, there'll be tables going everywhere. Well, with less tables, surely. Well, I don't know, because you might have had to put tables in. Yeah, who, who knows? But I'd, I'd be interested to hear from our listeners to see if they think that's something that would work in the UK or not. And as always, keep the questions coming. Once again, use that hashtag opinions and we will find you. Final thoughts on uh, the beers that we've got. Um, Rob, I once again have noticed that you've finished the, 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 the IPA, uh, prob- probably because it's not 11%. Yeah, it's a tiny three thirty can as well, so and it was quite drinkable. So, um, generally quite a fast drinker anyway. But yeah, I, I enjoyed that. The uh, Nevermind IPA, it's decent. I drink that again. Excellent, uh, Martin. Any additional thoughts on the Camden Beer Twenty Nineteen? Nothing really to add, but it's definitely one of those beers that um, you, although you wouldn't necessarily present it to somebody who drinks lager all the time but there was someone who was into their flavours and their aromas and you wanted to convince them that beer wasn't perhaps what they perceived it to be, it would definitely tick one of those boxes because it doesn't really drink or smell or taste like a beer. No, it's, it's, it's interesting because for me it's become, it's become really sweet, which, which wasn't there last time. I was still getting a lot of the... That the oak and the wood and the tannins last time but now it's just that there's a lot of sweetness there and um, in, in fact the last sip that i took almost reminded me of it, it's almost becoming a bit of a barley wine yeah in, i knew in, that's in where terms, you were going with in, that. in terms yeah. of its profile um which isn't a bad thing because it's a really tasty barley wine but it's for me it's no longer a brute imperial pilsner um it, it lost that moniker long ago Yes, yeah. I, mean, I think the first iteration of it we had, we could still get the dryness from the brute element. We could still get some of that lager qualities from it, but it has definitely left those way behind. That's yeah. gone. Yeah. But an interesting experiment. And, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, it was good of Rob to suggest it because it did give us something to focus on. Yeah, really grateful. As well. really grateful. I'm really grateful to Rob 
to suggesting that I should drink a whole bottle of 11% beer on a Monday night. Every three months. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah. done, Rob. So, should we just carry on? So, so we're in three months' time, we'll just drink another one. Oh, yeah, that's the end of year show, so yes. Yes, yeah, prob- <laughs> probably. That, well, beer 2020 will be out by, by then, won't it? Oh, excellent. We can just carry on the journey. <laughs> Whatever that will be, yes. Yes. Well, while you and I finish this, um, Rob, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, where can people find you on the interweb? It's a very good point, which I should have researched. Okay. I'm sure you can, you can put it in the show notes. We, we will put all of your links in the show notes. So we'll put a link yeah. to you on Twitter. We'll put a link, I can, link, link I to can Wednesday t- Beers. Sorry. Yeah, Wednesday Beers is wednesdaybeers.co.uk and then it's my Mixer Cloud um, URL, whatever that is. Okay, all of those links will be in the show notes. As, as you can tell, the wheels are rapidly falling off here tonight, which it, it hasn't been like this for a while, and this is great. I'm loving this. <laughs> this, is, this is absolutely brilliant. Uh, Martin, what's coming up next time? Uh, well, speaking of wheels falling off, I haven't got a clue, mate. No, well, we haven't, de- we haven't decided, have we? No, but we don't have to so much now because it's two weeks away. It's, a lot can happen in two weeks. Yes, as we found out. In, in, in two weeks' time, we could be back to doing weekly shows. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, in two weeks' time, we're back to doing weekly shows. That sounds weird. <laughs> no, nobody knows, do, do they? So they won't know until at least a week after the next two weeks. <laughs> That's, oh, there's, there's a whole time travel paradox oh, no. going on here. Now's not the time to, to, to get into that. Um, while we finish off these beers, uh, to, to, to finish this week's show, we're going to do... Something just a little bit different for, for, for us. Um, so we're going to hand over to Rob to close out this week's show, social distancing sound style. Uh, so until next time, from Martin and I at least, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, so uh, Steve asked me very nicely if I could choose a song to play at the show based on the title of the show, Give Us a Clue. Uh, so I thought the perfect track would be no One Knows by Queens of the Stone Age, which was written by Josh Homme and Mark Lanigan of The Screaming Trees, featuring a certain uh, barbecue enthusiast behind Backbeat Barbecue on the drums, who you may know better as that guy who played the drums in Nirvana, and now he's pretty successful singing and playing guitar for the Foo Fighters. So yeah, here it is, No One Knows. Señoras y señoritas, aquí está el DJ Héctor Bonifacio Echeverría Cervantes de la Cruz Arroyo Rojas. Esta es la radio que sacó a toda la estación donde el rock vive y no muere. Vamos a escuchar un par de temas de Queens of the Stone Age. Primero vamos a escuchar First It Give It. Qué música impresionante, temible y verdaderamente ahora. Van a ver, a ver, a ver, aquí va, aquí va.